Jason Walls, political editor, is with us. Hey, Jason. Afternoon, Heather. How big do you think that these protests are going to be tomorrow? Well, I'm I'm kind of torn because on on half half of me thinks that they could be quite big um, in terms of how they're able to mobilize people across the country, and a lot of people on the left particularly will be joining that cause, and it might be something good to get your teeth stuck into. But on the other hand, I mean, Tea Party Mari, and no offense to them, they haven't been a, a, exactly great in terms of organizing things down in the gallery. I mean, we find it very hard to organize interviews or um, talk to them. So in terms of doing this on a national scale, it might be something difficult. It might be something difficult to do. But as I understand. Understand it. They're talking to various different iwi as well, so it could potentially be quite large, and it sets the stage for quite a dramatic day in the house tomorrow. Of course, you'll remember that Tipati Mari they came out with a press release on Friday saying that they will not be swearing allegiance to the king in the house. And every time there's a new parliament, every single MP has to go up there and read a pre-prepared statement about swearing allegiance to the monarch of the time. For about years, it's been the queen. This is the first time it's going to be the king. Oh, they're not keen to do that, and. Their rationale behind this is that the 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 crown is the the colonialist sort of figure that they've been fighting, and why a, um, a party like Tea Party Māori actually exists. And I do understand, and I can sympathise with them on that level around not wanting to do that because of what it represents. However, they're going to run into some pretty logistical issues because it's the clerk of the house who's presiding over the swearing in, so they haven't got the speaker because the speaker hasn't been elected at that point yet, and so. So it's going to be done alphabetically. So their first member is going to come up. And essentially, the way it's been described to me is they you have to do it. You have to read the words as they're written down on the page, the swearing in, or else you can't do anything. They can't be sworn in. That means they can't vote. It means they can't sit on select committees. And, you know, there's, it doesn't seem to be any other way around it unless there's some technical sort of behind-the-scenes way that I don't know about. I mean, you just have to look go back to 2005. Honi Um he did exactly this, and he kind of couldn't do anything for about a week before he eventually just kind of, he just swore an oath quite, I think it was, I don't know if it was quietly or if he did it, so he could actually sit in the house, but I, w- I would say that if you're an elected member, um, especially your constituency being um, Māori, you'd want to be in the house to be able to oppose the government that you are so vehemently against. He, They're obviously just doing this for a bit of drama tomorrow, aren't they, for a few headlines? Well, I'm... <laughs> Because presumably if you're right, I mean, if you think about it like this, if you're right, that they have got to eventually swear allegiance to the Crown in order to be able to do their day jobs and hold the government to account, then the whole point of not doing it is just to create a bit of drama and get some headlines. Exactly, and I think that there's no other way around it. And I think what a lot of people, legal scholars and parliamentary experts are going to be looking quite closely at to see how it happens. And you know, Jerry Brownlee is very likely, if not certain at this point, to be the Speaker of the House. How he reacts to it all is going to be very interesting. Yeah, well, it would be quite fascinating. Yeah, listen, um, Nicola Willis, has she given us some insight yet onto, uh, into what is going on here with these you know, fiscal cliffs and stuff that she's seen? Yeah, she has. And it was um, quite an extraordinary start to the Prime Minister's second post-Cabinet press conference because Nicola Willis was there announcing that the government's much-touted mini-budget will be happening on December the 20th alongside the Treasury's Haifu. Um, but Willis said that she was concerned about the, um, the financial challenges left by the outgoing government. And I assumed this was going to happen. I was counting down the days for Nicola Willis to stand up there and say, oh, we knew it was bad, but we didn't know how bad. But she's gone quite hard on this. She said that these included risks to previously um, where they hadn't talked about the true scale and urgency that hadn't been made clear to them in oppositions. Here she is um, making some pretty serious accusations. Have a listen. I'm accusing it of upholding the letter of the law, but not necessarily its spirit. 
because I think what they did was they found clever workarounds to make the look, books look better than they really are. For example, it is absolutely permissible for a government to only short-term fund a programme. That is allowed. But where you know that you will have to go back to fund it in future budgets, then actually you should just be funding it for the long term. Farmax, one example, school lunches are another. So she, so she said that the, with the government, previous, previous government was being disingenuous and it made the look, books look better than they actually were. So whose fault is it? I think what's happened here is that there's been a clever finance minister who found some workarounds. According to Nicola Willis, things are so bad that she's looking at amending the Public Finance Act, which is put in place in 1989. So it's fairly significant here. And to, she says to the tune of um, a couple billion dollars that this government has been playing jiggery-pokery. I mean, we know this is true with Pharmac because Pharmac themselves have come out and, and warned us about this. Hey, I have a question that's come through on the text machine, which I think is quite a good one. If the Maori Party do not swear allegiance, do they get paid? I don't know. That is an interesting one. Hey. Um, I, I'm going to look that one up because good. if they don't and they're all sitting there twiddling their thumbs and getting paid for it, I think we should probably know mm. about that. I mean, I'm fine if they don't swear allegiance as long as they're not getting any of our dollars while they're just sitting around doing nothing. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Jason Walls, political editor. For more from Heather Duplessy Allen Drive, listen live to News Talk ZB from 4 p.m. weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.